there's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC by Pilot House. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. We have returned uh, with the Pilot House principles along with D2C here uh, to get our hot takes on all of the exciting things that are happening in the world of D2C direct marketing. Today we have uh, the co-host of the podcast, uh, Kyle Guilfoyle, as well as founders of Pilot House, Kyle Hitchcock, Jeff Shannon, Dave Steele, uh, as well as our lead media buyer, Nate Van Connet. Uh, welcome to All Killer No Filler. How are you guys doing? Good. 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 Nice. All right. Right off the top, let's we we're, we're going to try something called value value rocket. What what do we have? What's what's one thing on our minds right now that uh, we're seeing in our campaigns that that people ought to know about? Nate, you said you had something. Yeah. One thing I've noticed lately is one day click view optimization on campaigns. So lately, every time I have a winning campaign, I'll like do a test um, with my normal structure. And then as soon as I find a winning campaign, dupe it out, exact same campaign, but optimized to one day click view. Um, and that's, that's been crushing lately. So definitely worth a try. Why do you think that's super, working? Super simple. Why do you think that's working, Nate? Just it's a different subset of the audience, I think. Um, people that are, it, it like goes after specifically people that are going to convert that day, whereas, you know, seven day goes after people with a longer window. So just okay, different subset. One. Works really well. What do you got, Hitch? Uh, Google click ID lookalikes. So yeah. yeah, Nate, you can talk to that for sure, but creating lookalikes off of your refer from Google, um, using the custom URL, uh, it's like pretty much every account we, we kick it off and it, 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 it rocks. So that that's search traffic coming in like paid search traffic or organic search. Whatever is coming through, whatever's created a Google click ID on, on your page. Sweet. So it could be paid, it could be organic, whatever. It's just people that have come in with intent. And then you're building a lookalike off of, off of that. So in theory, you're getting people that generally have a higher intent. And you can do Love the that. same thing with, uh, with like Snapchat too, or, you know, TikTok or other um, platforms that are better top of funnel. You can just like use those UTMs to build those audiences. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, another one I've got is just speaking of Google is get on YouTube. It's starting to crush for us, um, especially in lead gen. Um, the e-com guys can talk about a little bit more, but lead gen is just pumping right now. Huge scale quality is awesome. It's actually better than Facebook on some stuff, which is rare for us to find a new source with better quality. Could you, tell us a bit of, could you tell us a bit about how you're using it on the, uh, the lead gen side? Uh, pretty similar to the Facebook. So we're, we're, we're finding, I mean, we, we pre-sell quite a bit in the videos. Um, we generally take people straight from a, a, a long form pre-sell. So uh, like video pre-sell being like a minute to two minutes long in the video and then we take them straight to the form. So pretty simple. Um, yep. How long are the videos, Jeff? Mm, I think most of ours, they're explainer videos. So we have people actually explaining the product. Uh, these ones specifically, the one I'm thinking of is an older audience. So, uh, explains the video is probably about two and a half minutes long. That's actually quite low. I've seen like, I've seen some ads lately that are like two and a half hours long explainer videos. Oh Maybe. yeah. If you look, yeah. If you, sorry. Yeah. If you look at all the guys doing the, like, I mean, guru courses, all that kind of stuff, they're like 45 minute epics, but not, we're not doing that. Nice. Jeff, how much, uh, on YouTube remarketing, is in that mix. What's your split between prospecting and remarketing? Because I know you can remarket 
on other placements on yeah. YouTube? It's pure prospecting. Sweet. Yeah, cool. we uh, we had a problem with it because we do quite a bit of volume for this client on Facebook, like, like 50 grand a day kind of thing in total. Um, so we were getting a lot, a lot of view through conversions on YouTube. Um, but we uh, we changed the pixel. How did we do it? Uh, my Google guy will know better than I, but basically took it, uh, uh, took the pixel event from analytics opposed to just throwing a Google pixel on there. So analytics basically decides, hey, okay, that it was given to Facebook or it was given to to YouTube. So that was a big difference for us. I wish Saul was on here. I got one more bomb on the search side um, using branded bidding um, primarily as your as your conversion driver for Google and then using that as, to feed the data and then moving it into to, you know, display YouTube also to uh, use their machine learning to start driving conversions on your behalf, much like Facebook. Yeah, and unpack that a little bit. That's a good shout, Hitch, especially for any brands out there who don't have the volume to get enough conversion data into the algo if you train it on your own your own tribe of customers. Interesting. Cool. Uh, speaking of training the algo, there was some, some uh, wild stuff thrown out there the other day uh, on Twitter I was reading about people being really sort of fed up with uh, rising CPMs, uh, lowering conversion rates across the board. A lot, a lot of people out there struggling. And there were some pretty really, there were some people throwing some interesting ideas around about whether or not our, our, the, the pixel is seasoned for the right time right now. I, I, I'll have to pull the tweet up exactly, but it was essentially that pre-COVID times produced good result, good data for early COVID times. Cause it's like, we didn't realize how much things had changed, but the idea was that now that we've sort of been in this for five months or six months or whatever it's been, that the data isn't, uh, you know, isn't where it needs to be in order to understand people's purchasing behavior during COVID. I don't know if that makes any sense. I was, what do you guys think of that idea? I, I think it's possible. I think, I think what you're, what you're saying is basically like people acted a different way during COVID trained the pixel, how to, how to act and then they're they've changed their purchasing behavior or something so it doesn't match is that kind of what you're saying that's kind of what this tweet was was theorizing it was it was just basically a hypothesis that, our, that the pixel isn't trained on current behavior it still is it still has this window of behavior that was based on you know the way we behaved before versus now i, I don't know if there was much to it there was it was a really interesting thing. there was a lot of people chiming in on whether they believed it or not some people were ready to take action on well, it and I, like nuke their pixel i uh, i definitely noticed i've, I've even noticed I, like I, counter to that, I've noticed like changes in the pixel since COVID. Like when with one of our clients, um, historically, like the best times of day had always been in the evening because people get home from work, then they go online, whatever they convert. And then after COVID hit, the kind of like late morning into midday crushed. And now that uh, things have started to open back up a little bit, obviously we're going into a second wave here a little bit, but as things open back up, the evening has been a lot better again. So like that's a change that I've definitely noticed because of COVID. Practically, what do you do to take advantage of that? When you notice shifts in, in the big, in, you know, in the flows of traffic and the way your, your, your customers are behaving, what do you actually do in your campaigns to take advantage of those shifts? Yeah. So we're doing two things right now. So the first one is obvious. We're just changing the way we optimize. So letting campaigns run a little bit later because we know the morning's not, not as good right now. So we let them run a little bit later before we start to optimize in the day um, and, and using things like Facebook rules. Um, and then we're also testing day parting, still early stages, so can't say much there, but. Interesting. I've got a bigger theory, broader theory. I think that there's like this have and have not thing. Our premium products are just destroying. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, they're doing better than they ever have, even, even during COVID times. 
Um, and then on the flip side, some of the lower end stuff isn't doing as well. And so I have a theory that there's people that have more money and there's people that are, have less money. And that's, that's kind of what, what I'm thinking is like, what kind of products or what kind of clients do we want? Um, but that's a really good point, Hitch. I mean, I, there was some stats saying that uh, like basically everyone that lost their jobs was low income earners. It wasn't yeah. the high end people, like people in, in like white collar jobs didn't lose anything blue collar, retail front, that kind of stuff, restaurants, they all lost their jobs. So I guess, I mean, that makes total sense. I mean, you know, we, we're, all, we're all working here, right? We work in an office, we can keep buying, but you know, everyone that worked in restaurants doesn't have that buying power anymore. So they're not buying the cheaper stuff. Yeah, and the Trump money's gone. Um, Dave, you referenced this before too, like one of our early, early podcasts, people have more disposable income. They're spending less, they're, they're not at the bars, they're not going to restaurants, they're cooking. And so I, I think it is, is quickly going to become a have and have not, at least for like the next year or two. Totally. Um, all right. What, uh, what else we got going here? So we, uh, yeah, jump in. Just one thing on the pixel, Eric, because um, I don't think we, we, we didn't really decide like how to action that, but just, mm -hmm. just test it. Always be testing that stuff. Like there's no, I don't think there's definitely no guarantee. Like we've had accounts where we try a new pixel and it completely, you know, completely shits the bed. And then we have times we try a new pixel and it's like, it cuts our CPA in half. So nice. like, just get out there, set up another account, try it. Yeah, on that note too, this could be kind of a value rocket. One thing we're doing with one of our lead gen clients right now is uh, we noticed a bit of a, a CPA rise over the past kind of month or so. So we introduced promos where we are basically, it's like sign up to this service and get this product. And basically we're drop shipping based on UTM parameters, drop shipping these people cheap products. And if it can bring our CPA down enough to cover the cost of the product, then it's a win. So that's something we're doing right now, but it ties into the pixel too, because we built a second pixel for it. Because at first we were doing it with the same pixel and we found that it trained the pixel to go after people that are like, they need a little bit of kind of incentivization. And so we built a second pixel to, to counteract that and it's working really well so far. That's cool. Awesome. Don't give um, all our secret sauce away, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's move on to the, um, you know, some some updates have happened on the uh, the Facebook uh, platform this week. Uh, probably the most notable is the the twenty percent rule um, is is no more, and we we'd love to just get your your take on uh, why why do you guys think uh, Facebook made this decision? Uh, why is it a big deal, and, and is there an opportunity in it? I have an idea. I think that they're projecting higher CPMS, and that they need to allow advertisers to be creative and how to get those down. I like it. Let's be clear too. We didn't totally say text. Agree. This is the 20% text rule for anyone who's not read in and watching all of our tweets. Uh, you know, previously Facebook only allowed you to put 20% text on your images and they had a tool that allowed you to uh, test this. And so we'd always be testing creatives before we did it. Uh, and uh, about a couple of weeks ago, we started to notice that not for everyone, but they were phasing it out so that you can actually access this tool. Uh, and now I think, I think uh, Hitch is right there in, in that their, their, their whole policy is just all about letting the data decide. So why are we saying that, you know, it's going to create a bad experience just because there's a certain arbitrary amount of text on the screen? Um, yeah. Are, are we doing anything? Have we taken advantage yet? Uh, you know, I keep thinking of like, you can have, you know, this Star Wars scroll now of, of text and get people to read it. Have, <laughs> have, we, have we experimented with, with using big text anywhere yet? We have a lot of tests live like right now, but no, I don't have conclusive data as of yet. I think this dropped Sorry. like, what, three days ago? Yeah, so Nate, they're doing a ton of te full screen testimonial stuff. It's lightweight. Um, see how it goes. Yeah. Nice. 
Okie doke. All right. What, what's next? We have uh, Eric Bandholt from Beard Brand tweeted, people love mystery products. It's our new unit sales leader. Who knew? Great addition to help boost your average order value. So what have we done anything in mystery products? I know, I know that we have done uh, sort of mystery bundles uh, that where we've dealt with uh, clients that have had um, different issues with, with running different um, stock uh, numbers, not running out of different stocks, being able to bundle them all together and, and actually having those mystery bundles uh, be superior to the, the bundles that people actually know what they're getting. Have we experimented with that with anything else? For, for instance, a, uh, a mystery gift, Nate, uh, that you're adding along with... Uh, um, we've never done a mystery gift, but we did do a mystery product and we actually did it over the course of like two months where we built email lists about this mystery product that was going to be unveiled. And you actually had to pay, you had to prepay the full price of the product, um, before you even knew what it was. And, and that worked amazingly. It did really, really well. We built it up kind of over the course of like two months and released like little tidbits of info on what the product was and then dropped it all at once. And, and it was pretty big. It was great. That's I super think it, cool. Yeah, I think are, it's, are you talking about just just frame it for me yeah. here? So are you talking about like a random product, like randomproduct.com? Or are you talking about like, hey, this is taking a type choice. of product that you're familiar with? It's taking choice out of it's, you know, being familiar with a brand and then having them sell a mystery product. So instead of being like, you're buying this product, you're buying so you trust the brand enough to to buy something that you know that it, it's like going to floyd's and getting the mystery breakfast that you get to flip for or whatever right yeah, yeah or like jordan being like you can't see this shoe but you're gonna get this shoe or whatever exactly got it it's That's a real cool. flex it's it's a real like brand flex i think and it, it, it if it works it's sort of i think to me it belies the fact you know something that came up in the in the movie the social network that we've been talking a little bit about this idea of dopamine and it's it, it's sort of like it seems less about the thing that you're there idealizing that they're getting but just that they're going to get something it's going to be a surprise they like the brand maybe that's giving them the dopamine hit that's worth it to them i don't know what do you guys think yeah, bang on, man. I, th I think people love surprises. It's like, I, I think he hit the nail on the head. I think that dopamine, that excitement that they don't just get, they kind of get to like, uh, when you buy a product, you get that dopamine hit when you buy, when you know what it is, but you don't know what it is. If you don't know what it is, sorry, you kind of get that dopamine hit for the next, you know, week until it arrives or three days or something. And you get to, you know, unbox it and all that kind of exciting stuff. It's kind of like, it's, it's like your own, you're paying for your own Christmas morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I also think it takes a bit of friction out of it because because um, people uh, takes that accountability out of the choice that they have to make and the like, did I make the right decision? And they can just click. Well, who knows? Um, but yeah, so well, uh, well, Dave, what are you saying? You're trying to get up there. <laughs> no, I was actually just gonna just gonna clarify, uh, Eric. You said social network. It was actually social dilemma on Netflix, right. not the Zuckerberg epic, which is a great also, movie. Also, major dopamine hits there. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. All right. Um, so also in industry news this week, um, Ezra Firestone posted uh, that his product one click upsell is going to be part of Shopify's native checkout ex uh, experience, um, which is interesting given that what we tend to expect to see from a huge platform is they would just integrate a feature like that themselves. Uh, so what, what do you guys think? Um, what do you guys think the play here is for uh, for Shopify? The news is actually bigger. Carthook is also wrapped up into that. So the two platforms, so it makes it even more curious and exciting. Yeah. So do, do, do you guys think, I mean, will the user then, because they basically, you know, parts of those are the same thing, right? Like being able to enable one click upsells after the purchase. Is it, like if they're both in there building this thing, do they, does the user get to choose which one they use? Or is it like, do you think they're coming together to build one amazing upsell platform or something? I think there's a clue with the cart hook, how it said, like, as of this date, we'll no longer be accepting new customers. 
And I, I, I think if you dug into what Ezra's saying there, it might be the same thing. So to me, Shopify has always been, you know, having been intimately involved with their affiliate ecosystem, I know how much they value these partners in their ecosystem. So I, in my, my guesstimate would be that there's some kind of, uh, sl you know, slowdown coming in where they're, I, I don't know, but I know that they, they'd be trying to keep these apps in their ecosystem as happy as long as they could. But ultimately I feel like the writing will be on the wall where Shopify will integrate this, you know, aspect of their service to their core, core platform. Upsells. Yeah, I'm guessing. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. Upsells have always been part of our secret sauce, right? We come into a brand that doesn't run them. We introduce them and overnight we drive higher returns, right? So the, I think Shopify also knows that. And so if it can get more of its, its users or, you know, its stores running effective upsells, they're going to be more profitable. If they're more profitable, they're going to invest more into Shopify and, and so on. So I think that's, a big part of it as well is it's probably one of the most powerful apps on Shopify. And so by internalizing that, they can probably get more, uh, you know, more use up for their stores. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and they keep the payment processing in their ecosystem now opposed to outsourcing to these guys. Totally. Shopify literally just lost out of all those transactions from those partners. I think also it's funny because like Jeff and I, we, we built this technology internally. Um, we have a tool, we do it internally. And me and Jeff, like our conversation a year ago is like Shopify is just going to ban these things. Facebook won't allow it. And so it's really interesting to see it go the other way um, against kind of the, the model that we saw where they're going to embrace it. Um, I think, again, it comes down to high CPMs. They're probably talking to Facebook. Is this cool? How do we maximize spend on platforms and work together to do that? Uh, this is a no brainer. Nice. Uh, one of the last topics I wanted to tackle here was something that we reported on a few weeks back in the DTC newsletter. Go to directtoconsumer.com.co and sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already. Uh, was that there's going to be a big pause in political ad spending. So among all the things that are affecting CPMs right now, the massive amount of political ad spending has got to be a part of it um, as we're gearing up for Q4. But there's apparently going to be a, a, a jubilee or a, you know a, a pause called on all political advertising. Uh, for a week before the election. I'm wondering if that's factoring into any of our conversations we're having with clients to be like, this is a week we got to fill that vacuum. Nah. You're going to spend, like goes. if you're spending, you're spending, you're always testing. If something it's going to be natural, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like if CPMs drop and performance goes up those days, then, then we scale and take advantage of it. But I, I don't think that it's worth, you know, saying we're going to absolutely crank budgets on these days because it's yeah. pretty, pretty uncertain. But with because that being said, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and yeah, Q5, yeah. which is between Christmas and New Year's, definitely geared up for. For sure. I'll say we just had a, a little thing from the, uh, the DTC team is we've had Pilot House this week take over uh, our ads, which has been really awesome for us. We, we, got, all, we, we got everything started. Uh, we're, we, we had some really great success early on, and that, that gave us our big, our big growth boost to start. But we started seeing results taper. And not, become not as good. We we brought Pilot House on to actually take it over, and and just since day one, uh, it's been better. And it really, it's just been by feeding the machine with more and more uh, choice and decision. We've we've had a lot of luck so far with our DTC DCTs, which I'm enjoying saying. So uh, <laughs> it's been great. Thanks. Awesome work, Pilot House. It's everything, man. Creative creative output is, is everything, especially in this market with high CPMs. I think it's the biggest lever you have to get those down for sure. Yeah. Nice. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the, your weekend, and uh, we'll get this out soon. Peace. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Peace. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.